Thank you, Kirsty and team, for leading us to worship our great God. And it's so lovely to be with you today. So lovely to be home in Kerrang. And I thank you so much, Fred, for the invitation. <laughs> well, this morning we're going to look, as Kirsty has read and prayed through, a fantastic passage from Ephesians that gives us every reason to cheer as loudly for the church in Australia and beyond as Australians are cheering for the Matildas. And if you saw it last night, all over Australia, there were crowds gathered and the Matildas did so well. I don't know much about soccer, but I have been drawn into watching the World Cup mainly thanks to my nephew, who is fanatical about sports, knows every stat, and he patiently explained to me how soccer works. And I enjoy now the strategy and the skill. This morning, we will see that whether the church is doing well like the Matildas or facing challenges, as is inevitable in life. The church is unlike any other team, any other gathering of people anywhere in the world, and that by being here today and being part of the church community gathered, you are where the real power is. This is the power to turn the world upside down. Well, I live in Melbourne. I live in a unit on my own. But I'm surrounded by some lovely neighbours. A few months ago, I was having trouble with my power where it would go off and I would need to reset the safety switch. But the only way I could get the safety switch to reset was that if I unplugged every single appliance in my house. And I discovered there were PowerPoints where I didn't realise there were PowerPoints. I had to climb up on the ladder to the roof in the garage to switch off the electric roller door. I had to go up the back of my wardrobe and there was a PowerPoint for the house alarm. I had to go under the cupboards in the kitchen and there were two PowerPoints, one for hot plates and one for oven. There were PowerPoints everywhere. Now, normally, I wouldn't have worried too much about rushing. But over these months, I've also become the custodian of a fish. <laughs> this fish is my neighbour's fish that I am looking after. And his name is Buffhead, <laughs> named by my neighbours. And I've never really been a successful pet person, as my family can testify to. And so it's a bit stressful to ensure the survival of this fish. 
And when the power is off, the oxygen goes off and the filter goes off. And I'm terrified I'm going to turn around and there'll be the fish floating at the top of the tank. And so I rush around to get the power back on as quickly as possible. Over time, I started to realise there was a direct correlation between the power going off and me doing the ironing. And it turned out it was a faulty iron that was triggering off the power. So it is all good now. The power stays on and the fish is at slightly less risk. I just hope he survives this weekend. (laughs) Our Bible reading, which Kirsty so beautifully played through, says a lot about power. So most times in Ephesians, power is mentioned in the Bible. But this is a power that sustains the universe. And it's greater than any power that was or is to come. And incredibly, a power that is available to us in the church. Before we expand into our Bible reading, we'll look a little bit about the background. This will be very familiar, I'm sure, to many of you. But for some, it may be new. And it's really helpful to understand the passage. So, Ephesians is a letter... It was written by the Apostle Paul, and it was probably written around 61 to 62 AD. By this time, Jesus of Nazareth had died, been raised from the dead, had appeared to his disciples, and then ascended up into the heavens. The church had started first in Jerusalem, It was a gathering of disciples. But by this time, it was starting to spread across the Roman Empire. And there were churches, small ones in different locations, and Paul describes them as the church, gathered across the empire. And these churches had been from the travels and the preaching of disciples out of Jerusalem and by the Apostle Paul. Now, at the time of writing his letter, Paul was probably under arrest, house arrest in Rome. He was arrested for preaching about Jesus, and yet he was still able to have visitors And he took every opportunity to preach more about Jesus, to write letters, to dictate them so they could go out to the church. And this particular letter was sent to the holy people in Ephesus, most likely Christians gathering in smaller churches around the cities and the region. Now, Ephesus was a city in the Roman Empire, and like the majority of the cities in the empire, its citizens spoke Greek. And so across the empire, 
it was people able to communicate with each other, to have this collective sense of being part of an empire, although some very much didn't want to be, and others did. And it seems from Paul's letter that he is writing to people who speak Greek, who had converted to Christianity from a Gentile background. So they were not Jewish. And therefore, their background may have included them worshipping other gods that were available. They might have been gods in nature. They might have been Greek gods that had come to them through that Greek uh, culture. Or they might have been Roman gods. There were lots of powers available to worship and bow down to. But Paul is writing to them. And in one commentary, it's explained that Paul is wanting to ground, so remind, shape, and challenge the readers in Ephesus of their faith. And just as we see today in times of prosperity or challenge and a lot of available ideas, it's easy to look around and see a faith or an experience that looks more attractive or more powerful. And so Paul is countering this and is longing for the church those gathered believers, to stay strong and faithful to Jesus. So go the church is Paul's message. And he prays this. It's part of a prayer. And through this, he shows just how amazing the church we have joined is. Church communities are unique in all of the world. And when they are Jesus-centred, they are power-filled and can be confident communities. So firstly, Jesus-centred. Paul talks about the great power that is available to us who believe It is the same mighty strength that God used to raise Christ from the dead and seat him at his right hand in heaven, even though that's my left hand. (laughs) The right hand is the most powerful place in heaven. And this is vital to understanding the power that we have the church does not have power because of wealth or prestige, or maybe it's long history. All of those things may be true, but they are not the main story. God, the creator of the whole universe, used his mighty power to raise Jesus from the dead. And in that moment, he confirmed that Jesus was exactly who he said he was, the Son of God, 
and that in his words and life were God's power. There is no other Greek or Roman or any other God that sits at the right hand of the creator of the universe. It is Jesus Christ. So any power that the church has comes from its focus on Jesus. The church must first and primarily look at Jesus, tell of his death, tell of his resurrection, tell of his ascension to heaven. And yes, there are other great and important things we can do as the church, but first and foremost, we're to be centred on Jesus. Now, as I said, I'm not much of a soccer fan and definitely not a soccer player. I couldn't run that fast for that amount of time. But I do play tennis. And I first started playing juniors here in Kerrang. I now have the opportunity to play ladies' day tennis on a Thursday, which I love. And I'm part of the church's competition that plays on Saturdays. So maybe about 45 years of tennis and lots of matches. Last Thursday, I was playing ladies' doubles and I was lining up for a shot at the net. One relatively straightforward that would win us the game. And within a split second... I had hit the ball on the frame of my racket and it dribbled under the net. 45 years of knowing that the most important thing in tennis is to watch the ball. (laughs) And still, I was thinking of the glory, (laughs) not the ball. So in our church communities... Any move that we make is first to have our eyes fixed firmly on Jesus. He leads, we follow. Secondly, the church centred on Jesus is power-filled by the empowering of Jesus' Holy Spirit. When the church is centred on Jesus, then we are serving the one who is far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, the name above all names. The readers of Paul's letters lived in a community where power was attributed to many gods. And just like today... Power was sought and fought over by people. They lived under the notorious Emperor Nero. If we think of all the people in history who've had power and have power now, whether it's a king or a queen, a president or a prime minister, a CEO or a chairman of the board, and many, many more, every single one of them are below Jesus. They are subject 
to him as we are subject to him. That means that every decision they make, every action they take, will be subject to Jesus' view of their success. It is up to him to decide how well they did with their power. And if they do not bow at the name of Jesus now, they will one day. So we can take heart and we can pray for our leaders that they use the power they have been given wisely now. Because in the future, they will account for that power. It also means that the church which exists to serve Jesus, is in the prime seat. We are connected to the king above all kings. We are in the organisation guaranteed to succeed. May not always feel like it, but Jesus has promised that his church will grow. Maybe as slowly and as imperceptibly as yeast works in dough. But one heart at a time, Jesus' church will grow. And so we can be confident, thirdly. And even more, Jesus is head over everything. And do you notice the wording in this verse? Head over everything for the church. We are his body and the fullness of him fills everything in every way. Jesus is our leader and we, the church, are as closely related to him as a head is to a body. Wherever the head goes, the body goes. And we are filled with everything we need. We don't need to be afraid that by connecting and giving our lives to Jesus in a church community, we are missing out on anything essential. No, he fills us with everything we need. This is where life is. This is where the power is to live life in a world where there is joy and there is sorrow and there is everything in between. What is critical, though, is that we stay connected with Jesus. It's easy for a church of people with different experiences different expectations to lose sight of why we are the church and to get derailed. And we're frequently reminded of that, aren't we, by our culture and by our media. But the church is where Jesus is, said he will be, and he will not scrap the church and go to plan B. So we can be confident this is where the action is, with Jesus in his church, and his church, said at the start, has the power to turn the world upside down, 
to bring love where there's indifference, to bring peace where there is conflict, and to bring hope where there is despair. What I find fun to watch in sports is not so much the stats, but the reaction when a goal is kicked or a point is won, and even more so in soccer because the goals are so few and far between. The team run wildly around the pitch. They jump up and down. They hug their teammates. In the case of Sam Kerr, she does a backflip. The supporters go wild. The commentators are ecstatic. Because of what God has done and is doing in Jesus, the church of his followers, we are on the winning team of history. There will be plenty of opponents claiming to have kicked the winning goal, but they haven't. They just think they have. The match was played and it was won on the day that Jesus died on the cross and God raised him from the dead by his mighty strength. We're still living in the tension of waiting for the day when everyone will realise the game has been won. And so it's not always easy. And sometimes the church lets us and our communities down, and sometimes we let the church down. But we don't need to be discouraged. Paul knew in his time there were lots of challenges. And so towards the end of his letter, he writes, Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. It's not our power, it's his power. And that's what makes us strong. So be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Every day you come to church, connect with a church community Reach out to others and invite them to participate. You are in the place and with the people connected to the one who rules forever. So keep Jesus in the centre. Remember every time you flick on a light or reset a safety switch, Jesus' power is always on and stand confidently in the world. So go the church. Amen. Thank you.